The Apartment Store. A story for Christmas, written and read by Tobias Sturt. Chapter 9, The Delian, Part 2. They stopped outside the now relatively quiet Lydian and looked back across the square at the people buzzing around the front of the Delian. It's horrible in there, said Lydia. Everything there is so fake. Everything in there is selling, said Artie. But it's just the same odd stuff they have in Krampus, said Lydia. All they've done is dress that place up and shove the same odd things in there. People are only going because it's new. People are going because it's old, said Artie. There's a saying that what people mostly want is the same thing as they've had before, just slightly different. That's what the Delian is. It's the same old Krampus thing, but with a little Lydian difference added. They certainly don't seem to be coming in the Lydian as much, said Lydia, looking at the crowds with their red Delian bags. What are we going to do? We're going to take the all-new Lydian thing, said Artie, and add a little of the old Krampus sameness. You're in charge of the bell for the changeover. I'll be back. And he ran across the square and disappeared among the shoppers. Lydia barely needed to worry about the changeover bell. People were still coming in, but it was barely the hordes they'd had the day before, and a lot of them were already carrying shopping from the Delian and ended up just browsing around, sticking their heads around the door and then disappearing again. There wasn't much of a demand to have tea with the real Lydia, so she took the opportunity to go and see how everyone else was doing. Peony and Pansy were sitting on their own in their living room, while a man with a beard and a hat skulked in a corner, peering at their pictures. It's nice to have a little peace and quiet, said Peony, but Pansy disagreed. It was very interesting with all the people here, she said, but it's very boring now, more like every day. But they do ask so many questions, said Peony. I like answering them, said Pansy. You never ask me any. That's because I always know what you're going to say, said Peony. There are more biscuits for us now, though, said Pansy. Ivy, meanwhile, was distraught. There hasn't been anyone for half an hour, she wailed. What did I do wrong? Maybe I need more cakes from John. There was a man who looked in at the door and I offered to measure him for a dress and he just ran away. I didn't mean him, of course. I meant a dress for a woman that he might know, but then I got all flustered and I think I scared him. Maybe I should just get on with some of my orders. That was what Lydia's father was doing. Look at this. This is the prototype, he said happily holding up some kind of paper construction of lots of glued-together hoops. It's a fold-up snow globe. People keep asking for them, but they don't realise what a handmade one costs. What I was trying to figure out is if they could be folded flat for posting, like a card, John's idea, of course. Fair is going to draw up some decorations, but just in line work, you know, so you can colour them in. John knows someone who can print them. What do you think? Have you had many customers today? asked Lydia. Hardly any, thank goodness, said her father, folding up the snow globe again. Even with just the snow globes, I've got days of work to catch up on. And then someone talked me into a doll's house. Well, it's more of a secret base for soldiers, this one. I thought what I could do is get a piece of plastic and scratch a map into it. That way, you could stick a light underneath it and the scratches would catch the light and glow. At least no one's been bothering me this morning. How's your day going? Have you had no public to meet and greet? The Krampus department store have opened a new shop opposite, said Lydia. It's called the Delian, and there's a girl called Delia lying in a bed in the window. Is there now? said her father, raising an eyebrow. I've heard of that being done before, but it's usually a very different kind of shop. Lydia had no idea what he was talking about, which was very irritating, but she decided to rise above it. 
Everyone's going there instead of coming in here, she said. I thought Artie said competition was a good thing, said her father. Only if you win it, said Lydia. I see you're learning a lot from him, said her father. Shut up, said Lydia, and what's that? There was a sound down in the square of an engine and then the grinding of brakes. Doors slammed and then the front door of the building opened and the changeover bells rang. Someone come and give me a hand down here, shouted Artie up the stairwell. George Joseph and Dor, you get up to the attic if you're not there already. Anyone else who's free, down here if you can. What fresh hell is this, said her father. Shut up, said Lydia, as he evidently hadn't heard her the first time, and ran from the room. Lydia bumped into Feruza on the landing. She was just looking in the Mrs. Plaisance's front door and telling them not to worry about anything. John's got people in there squeezing his sponge, she said. What's going on? No idea, said Lydia. Come on. Down in the square, Artie was standing by the open rear door of a truck. Inside the truck were stacks of boxes. Mr. M and Mr. Krebs were already there with him, peering inside. Artie climbed up into the truck and started pushing and heaving boxes to the open door. Grab a box and get it into the dumb waiter, he said. Feruza, you pull everything up. Lydia, you get up the stairs and tell your dad and George Joseph to unload everything and put it in my apartment for the moment. Come on, we're not supposed to be stopped here. Let's get everything into the Olympic, at least. Lydia ran back upstairs to find a very confused door and George Joseph pulling the first set of boxes out of the dumb waiter. He says to put everything in his apartment, panted Lydia. The office, I mean. What is all this? asked her father. What's he up to now? I've no idea. She followed them into the office where they put the boxes down just as the bell of the dumbwaiter tinged, letting them know a fresh consignment had arrived. They went to fetch it, leaving Lydia alone with the first two boxes. She circled them warily. One had a picture of an elephant on the side, but on the other the words, Dress, Asserted, X-50. She picked at the ragged end of the packing tape that held it closed and then peeled it away. Inside was some kind of folded-up fabric wrapped in cellophane. She pulled it out. It was a small, plain, blue dress. Underneath was a red one. She put it back in the box. The other box had writing on it that looked Chinese and was stapled closed. She pulled on the flap and it opened with a sudden rip as her father came in with a pile of packages in his arms. These appear to be scarves and mittens, he said. Not really artist style, I don't think. Too purple. What's that? Toys, I think, said Lydia holding up a jointed wooden soldier with a string hanging down between his legs. She pulled on the string, and his arms and legs jerked up and down. Ho-ho! said her father. An arms race, is it? Mutually assured consumption. What are you talking about? said Lydia. The Krampus has learned from the Lydian? So our Krampus is learning from the Delian, said her father. You'll see. They had to take turns unloading the van as customers drifted in, demanding attention in different apartments, but by closing time they had everything carefully stowed away in Artie's bedroom. They showed out the last customers, closed the front door, and all slowly made their way up to the office. Charles Darwin, said Artie, in his Origin of Species. Here we go, muttered Dor to John. Buckle up for the inspirational speech. Propose the theory known as the survival of the fittest continued Artie. The idea that creatures have to adapt to their environment in order to survive. Actually, he didn't. What he suggested was natural selection, whispered John. Creatures not suited to the environment die. Which is why you can't keep a regular job, whispered Dor back. Feruza snickered. 
The public reacted to the Lydian by loving us, Artie was saying, loving us a little too much, so we had to adapt pretty well, I thought, with our new system. The Krampus department store had to adapt too, by creating a Lydian of their own, the Delian, right there across the street from us. And now our environment has changed, we need to adapt again in order to survive. How do we adapt? The same way they did. They learned from us, so we can learn from them. What did I tell you? hissed Thor at Lydia. Shut up, she replied. What the Krampus has learned is that our kind of store gives them a whole new way to sell things. What we can learn from them is that we can sell things using our kind of store. I've spent this afternoon calling in a few favours. I've been visiting wholesalers and distributors, only the highest quality, people I know and trust and have worked with for years, and have persuaded them to advance us some goods to sell. There are clothes for Ivy, some toys for Dor, lights and ornaments for our furniture department, Stanislaus, cookware to go with our recipes, and there's some promise tomorrow, including some Christmas decorations and even some professionally made Lydian shopping bags. Hey, said Feruza, the ones I made were professional, you know. I'm a professional. But we need you professionally doing art, not making bags, said Artie. This is what we need to learn. These goods will give us something to sell. Something to give people to put in those shopping bags, which will allow us to spend our time on what we're really good at. Time to concentrate on your true talents, making one beautiful snow globe instead of umpteen paper ones. I like my paper snow globes, muttered Dor. They're quicker for a start. We should still do those, said Feruja. Making one beautiful dress instead of ten identical blouses, continued Artie. Making one beautiful cabinet instead of ten identical chairs. Chairs are supposed to be identical, said Mr. Krebs, but I see. Go on. We can use my bedroom as a storeroom, said Artie, but we should start figuring out how we can sell these things in our apartments. The Delian has gone out of their way to make this as natural as possible. It's not a bad idea. Everyone should grab a box and see what they can do. This is up to you, each of you. You've scared them now, made them see you as competition. Now you need to be that competition. No one leaves an apartment without buying something. Two things, however many they can carry. Remember, this is survival of the fittest. The next day, the new yellow Lydian bags began to mingle with the red Delian bags in the square as customers started to file through both stores, but not everyone was happy. Lydia found George Joseph in Ivy's apartment, looking stern. I told you I was rubbish at working at a shop, said Ivy, her eyes brimming. I told you I would be, and it's awful. It's just like being back there. I keep telling people that these clothes aren't the best, but they're just rude, and they buy them anyway, and then I can't remember how much they are, and I can't add it up anyway. And then George Joseph gave me all this money, and it's not coming out right, and now he's angry with me, and no one has asked me to make anything for them yet today. I can't keep coming in here every time you have to sell something, said George Joseph with tight lips. I had a woman who was going to buy two dozen ping-pong balls. Two dozen! I'm selling more than anyone, or I would be, if I didn't have to keep stopping to help Ivy. All right then, said Ivy. I'll just stop selling things, that's all. I'll close the apartment. I'd much rather. I hate it anyway. I might go and see if John's made a cake. John hadn't made a cake, because Artie had ordered him a batch of saucemans to sell, so he was making soup. It's supposed to be soup to use up leftovers, he said mournfully. It just smells like someone liquidised the Sunday roast. I think I need to work on the recipe more, but it was all I could think of this morning. I'm not even selling any saucepans either. Someone just told me he loved my cards, said Feruza from the living room. Turns out he meant the ones Artie bought in. I charged him double in revenge. Where is Artie? asked Lydia. Probably out buying more tat for us to foist on the unsuspecting public, said Feruza. 
Lydia met Artie as he appeared with another smaller van full of things. This will probably do us for the moment, he said as he got out. I'm afraid it probably will, said Lydia. Uh-oh, said Artie, seeing her expression. What's going on? I think we might need another meeting, said Lydia. Table tennis isn't even a sport, said George Joseph. The wiring is not good in the lamps, said Mr Krebs. A lot of the stuff is pretty cheesy, said Dor. I wasn't intending on spending my holidays working in a shop, said Feruza. It's all just awful, Ivy was actually crying. I'm just not sure we're all cut out for this, said John. I feel like we might be taking the wrong lesson from the Delian. It's not just going to go away, though, said Artie. We have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, said Lydia. The oracle pronounces, said her father. She shot him a look. What is it, Lydia? said Artie. There was something that I noticed in the Delian, said Lydia, that I can't stop thinking about. Artie was right. They've tried to make apartments like us, and there are people pretending to be the people living in the apartments, but they're really terrible at it, and they haven't even tried to make them convincing. They're like people in adverts, not real people at all. Not like us. We're real people. Those people don't make anything for themselves. They're just pretending, selling things that are already in boxes and packages. Everything's fake. Everything's for sale. I mean, wasn't that the point of the apartment store, not to be a store like that? But you saw what happened when we had loads of people, Lydia, said Fruza. No one could cope. But don't you remember what it was like when that first lady came? Your friend? Mrs Mountjoy. That was great. We all loved it. She loved it. And she ordered loads of things, didn't she, George Joseph? It's true, said George Joseph. She did, more than any single person since. You mean, get less people, but get them to spend more, said Fruza. On the things we want to sell, said Lydia. We are called the Lydian, after all, said Artie. We should really learn to listen to Lydia. Never explain, never apologise, they say. Nonsense, I say. I have to admit, I was worried. I was worried about the Lydian, I was worried about the Delian, I was worried about us. Well, I apologise. I doubted what we were doing here. I doubted you, all of you, my new friends, and I made some bad decisions because of that. Tried to make the Lydian something it's not, and I'm sorry for it. Heartily sorry. Lydia is right. We have to remember what it is we're trying to do here. To welcome people into our homes. To share with them the things we have made, the people we are. What makes the Lydian special and unique is that you're all special and unique. So we can't deal with the numbers the Delian can. Well, we shouldn't. We're not cash registers. We don't pile high and sell cheap. We're people. People you can stop and chat with. Get to know. What we're selling is only part of what we're selling. What we're selling is us. The apartment store. The extraordinary exclusive and elusive Lydian. The Apartment Store was written and read by me, Tobias Sturt. The music is Tchaikovsky, The Christmas Tree from The Nutcracker, sourced from muzzopen.com. You can find more at Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us if you'd like. We're also on Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and, of course, at our website, ruritania.co.uk stories. 
and thank you for listening.